You're listening to episode 21 of the Almost Sideways podcast. On this episode, we have a special guest, Adam Daly, joining me and Todd to discuss some of the movies we've been watching in theaters recently, as well as our mid-year report for 2018. Our power rankings this week look at Denzel Washington performances to celebrate the release of his new movie. And in our trivia section, Adam challenges me to some box office trivia. All this and more on the Almost Sideways podcast. Here we go. Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was going to say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. This is all totally not getting cut out. Yes. We are go for launch. Welcome back to the Almost Sideways podcast, everybody. Episode 21. It's good to be with you. Uh, I am Terry Plucknett, your host, and with me today, my brother Todd Plucknett, and in place of our good friend Zach, is our other good friend Adam Daly. How is it going, guys? It is going good. Sorry if I don't sound like Zach or have as much knowledge as him, but I'll do my best. That's okay. I'm pretty sure we will have 100% less French references today, um, replacing Zach with Adam, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure, sure yeah. I bring up Tony Erdman a couple times in this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Peter Simonashek has to be mentioned at least once or twice uh, without without Zach exactly. in the room. Um, this is also a first for the podcast, as for the first time in recording the podcast, we have um, people actually sitting in the same room. I am not in the same room, but Adam and Todd are actually sitting in the same room. For this recording. Okay, correction. Uh, oh, Vegas. wait. Yeah, outside of Vegas. I, I, I forgot about <laughs> Vegas. But what happens in Vegas stays there, in there Vegas. There you go, obviously. obviously. That's why I forgot about it, is because <laughs> I've My already bad. forgotten about <laughs> what happened in Vegas. And you guys left Las Vegas. Yeah, we did. Which was mentioned last week, again, on the Power Rankings. See, there we go. See, now, now we've gotten everything out there. We just need a, a couple more of those token uh, token drops, and we'll be good to go. Uh, Todd, how's your day gone? <laughs> uh, it's good. I, I'm still happy that I won Mariners Trivia last time. Uh, obviously, I'm the champion, so... Yeah, today's been a long day for Todd and I. We started the day running a 5K in Seattle around uh, Safeco Field. Um before the uh, Mariners game, which is actually going on right now as we as we speak. And uh, you may hear some random cheers out of Adam, or boos, depending on how they're playing. Apparently they're not playing too well today. I totally jinxed it. I texted you saying that Felix was dealing, and he gave up four runs in the fourth inning. Yeah, like within Shortly after like I five him. minutes of you texting me, Felix started blowing the game. Way to go, yep. Adam. Way to go. I'm happy I'm here on the podcast for you guys. <laughs> I think it was Terry's bad luck high five to Scott's service this morning. I don't even think I gave him a high five. I, I, he wasn't looking for a high five as I ran by, so I didn't get one from him. I, I, think, I think it's because Adam thinks Chinatown is a city. That's really what, uh, what did in the Mariners today. <laughs> Or the fact that I'm just horrible at forgetting actual good movies like Straight Outta Compton, Manchester, When Harry Met Sally, all these ones that I've missed over the 
course of power rankings. So this top five list is actually good because at least it's movies I've seen in a filmography of an actor. So I shouldn't miss anything. And you actually haven't put any animated Batman movies in your top five yet, which personally I'm offended. Um, so th- <laughs> this is going to be a fun podcast. <laughs> we have so many inside should, jokes with should. Adam without him e- even being on a full podcast yet. You guest starred on, on one segment one time, but it, it's good to have you for the whole thing. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Ah. Uh, thanks once again for uh, listening Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes so that more people can hear us, more people can uh, can hear about us. Find us all over the internet, almostsideways.com. You can find the Almost Sideways page on Facebook where we post any updates that may be going on. And you can find most of us on Twitter, except for Todd, because uh, he's lame. But right now, we're going to move past that and get into our movie reviews for today. I love this movie so much. I did not really like this film at all. This is the most Zack movie ever made. You gotta see it. Movie reviews. Not much uh, right now has been coming out that all of us are have been excited about seeing. So what we're going to do is we're each going to talk about a movie that we've seen over the last couple weeks and review that individually. I think today um, we're going to start with the newbie and we're going to go to Adam first. Adam, go for it. All right, so the movie that I took my daughter to see this afternoon was Hotel Transylvania 3 Summer Vacation. All right, so I'm, you know, I try to go see the animated movies with my daughter who's four, and so she was super excited for this because she likes the other Hotel Transylvania movies, and I'm kind of indifferent for the other two, so I had no expectations going in, but this was actually a pretty fun time. I actually kind of laughed a lot more at the jokes, and it's about dracula and his family who run a hotel called hotel transylvania they decide to go on a summer vacation because dracula is kind of lonely and he misses companionship and he they go on a cruise and he meets this captain erica who is part of the van helsing family and the van helsings are trying to kill the monster specifically dracula and there's a kind of a romantic story going on and family dynamics being developed as well uh, I was impressed by the animation. I thought it was really fun, bright colors, and so it was just kind of a fun time. I actually laughed a lot more in this film than I did in the previous films. I actually don't remember too much about the first two films in the franchise, but this one actually I f- had found myself enjoying it. My daughter Evelyn had a really fun time. She was laughing at a lot of the jokes, which I was really impressed by. Uh, Adam Sandler, I think, uh, he's really been a missed uh, opportunity every single movie that he's done recently, but. Uh, I enjoyed what he was able to do in this one for the most part for being a kid's animated movie. I've also liked a bunch of different voice talents as well. And I think um, uh, they all did what they were supposed to in this film. It's it's an animated film for kids. And if you have kids, I think they'll enjoy it as well. A lot of people were laughing in the theaters. And I, like I said, no expectations whatsoever. I enjoyed myself in this movie. And I give it a three out of four stars. All right, sounds yeah. good. Uh, I have not seen any of the Hotel Transylvania movies. Todd, have you? Mm, I have not. Well, 
it sounds like there there's some good family fun there and it would be uh something worth going to see adam is it something where you have to see the first two to uh fully appreciate the third one um no i don't think so i it just bunch of these different monster classic monsters like frankenstein the invisible man the wolfman they're all in this hotel and they all kind of help run it and you kind of get a quick uh, sense of the uh, dynamics of the character at the beginning and it just goes straight into this new adventure i don't think you need to see the other ones necessarily how does this one stack up with the other ones i think this was my favorite one i think this was just having uh that van helsing's kind of build more of the monster lore having an extra character like that and like again i don't remember a whole lot of like particulars in the other two films maybe because it's so fresh i just will say this is my favorite one but i actually laughed a little more than the other films and the only gripe i kind of had about it was the this thing at the very end of it was they had these three different classic songs playing and the very ending song was supposed to be the most happiest song ever was kind of kind of lame but uh other than that though it was a really cute movie all right all right yeah so if you're looking for some good family fun out there definitely go check out uh hotel transylvania 3 uh todd i'm gonna go to you next what movie are you gonna be talking about all right if you're not looking for family fun you would go see the first purge uh which is uh a movie that came out on my birthday july 4th uh Directed by Gerard McMurray. This is a franchise that I really appreciate, not necessarily because they're great movies, but because I was always fascinated by the idea from the first public service announcement type viral marketing trailer that Blumhouse put out when their first movie was coming out. Uh, James DeMonaco is the creator of this franchise, and he directed the first three installments, but he's only writing this one. He gave way to McMurray, who is uh, a young African-American director who directed a movie called Burning Sands, which I really liked last year, starring Trevante Rhodes. Uh, He gives the movie a really angry, exploitative vibe, which was different than the other ones, but it it sort of cheapens uh, the overall feel to to an extent. Basically, The Purge is about a 12-hour period every year where crime is legal, including murder, and then... Uh, the idea is that people are able to let out their anger and frustrations uh, and their inner violence and uh, for that 12-hour period, and it also helps uh, society like trim the fat in a way is what, is what the idea is. The, the new founding fathers of America is the new political party, and uh, they think that you know, the economy is going to spike and stuff because people are going to be buying more weapons and more home security systems and it's going to be good for each individual. And so, uh, well, with the first Purge movie, it starred Ethan Hawke. It was okay. It was more of like a traditional slasher movie. Uh, The second one was a movie where the the Purge was more established and it was like a really uh, focused, really cool sequel, which, I mean, first sequels are normally that way. That was, uh, definitely the best of the, of the movies. And then Election Year came out, which was way overly political, but it was also, with its blatant anti-establishment stuff, was, uh, really made the movie a cool, like, full-on horror movie. But with this movie, uh, it takes it back to the very first Purge, uh, and... It, uh, because it was like a sort of an experimental thing, it took place solely in Staten Island, and where they were like paying people $5,000 to participate in the purge and like wear their tracking devices and 
and really just participate in in actually purging when most people were just sort of like scared of it or just like uh skipping town and the the plot really isn't all that like there's like a drug dealer who's in like a drug war and a kid who's in in over his head and there's this like recently convicted murderer rapist i'm not really sure it and and they all sort of clash in, in the middle and it's a survival story and uh it definitely has really obvious uh things to say about society and our the current administration and and everything which is okay it also has marissa tomei which is always good to see and lauren velez who plays maria laguarda and dexter like uh good supporting characters but it's not it's not a great movie and uh, i kind of realized that when i was watching the credits when uh, they actually have a commercial for the upcoming Purge TV series. Like, an actual commercial being like, Coming this fall on USA and the Sci-Fi Channel, the Purge TV series. So it, it's like, really seemed a little desperate. But I'm not going to doubt anything that Blumhouse does, because they really have just, like, cracked the code for low-budget horror movies. So, overall, it's an okay movie. It's a two-star movie. It's really like an exploitative, die-hard kind of feel. And, uh, if I were to rank the movies, I'd go Anarchy, Election Year, The Original Purge, and then The First Purge. Mainly, I, I think the Monaco not directing it really kind of hurt, uh, this last one, but it still is, uh, it still is a solid movie, and the idea of The Purge really is gonna make me keep going back to it and probably even check out the TV series. Alright, I have not seen any of The Purge movies. I haven't been in on the franchise at all adam have you uh have you been partaking of this franchise that's been going on for a little bit yes actually this is the first time todd and i did not go to the theater together to see these movies we saw anarchy and election year in theater together Uh, i actually have seen the first purge and i have the same ranking as todd you know anarchy election year the first or the purge and then the first purge as well it's it's a fun franchise and this is a fun film it's not as good as the other ones i what i liked about the franchise is every all three films have different styles of horror or different elements of that kind of genre which makes each one kind of stand out individually which is a lot of fun but my big standout that i think for the, this first purge movie is the alan noel i've messed up his first name but he played in insecure uh the tv show and also the first purge he plays dimitri this drug dealer and i definitely think that this guy should be the next blade i think there's a sequence in the third act of the film that absolutely if he was blade in that those sequences it would have been fantastic uh so yeah that's my biggest standout for that uh yolan noel yeah he totally uh i could totally see that he he, he has a really slick look to him too like he, he totally could be a, a snipes-esque uh, actor if he keeps getting these kind of roles yeah can i just say it is really confusing having the first film of the franchise called the purge and then the fourth film of the franchise called the first purge every time you guys <laughs> yeah. say the first purge i'm like oh that must be the first movie. no that's the fourth movie okay I'm getting really confused on which one you're talking about at times, but that's okay. I've even seen them all, and when people say the first Purge, I think they're talking about the first Purge movie. Yeah, so not the movie, uh, the first yeah. Purge. Exactly. <laughs> well, 
the purge one. <laughs> <laughs> purge one, purge two, purge three, purge before one. The first one. purge. <laughs> uh, okay. So, the movie I'm going to be talking about is somewhere between what Adam talked about and what Todd talked about. Uh, this is a movie you might think about taking your family to, but don't take the little ones to it. Uh, I'm going to be talking about Uncle Drew, the new basketball film that came out a couple weeks ago, starring a host of NBA stars. Uh, the movie centers around the titular character, Uncle Drew, played by Kyrie Irving. And he's getting his old team back together from the 70s to try and go win the Rucker Park uh, basketball tournament. And Uncle Drew brings his team together of Preacher, played by Chris Webber, who is now a preacher. Uh, Lights, played by Reggie Miller, who can't see. Boots, played by Nate Robinson, who can't walk. And Big Fella, played by Shaquille O'Neal, who is now a Kung Fu master. This whole... <laughs> <laughs> no joke, he's teaching six-year-olds how to, how to fight. This uh, team is all brought together uh, by one of the breakout stars of 2017, Lil Rel Howery, who plays Dax, who loses, his, uh, who loses his team right before the tournament starts and has to go try and find his emergency team and finds the legend Uncle Drew to put his team together. His girlfriend is played by one of the other breakout stars of 2017, Tiffany Haddish. His arch nemesis and rival, Mookie, is played by the one and only Nick Kroll. Uh, it is, yeah. It, yeah, there's there's a lot of great, great, great characters in here. Uh, oh, and I forgot to mention, you also have Betty Lou, who is the who is Preacher's wife, played by Lisa Leslie. So you've got all these NBA and WNBA greats dressing up like old old people, and they're going out there and dominating on the basketball court. Going into this movie, I was hoping I would find just a fun hour and a half to two hours at the theater watching this silly basketball movie. And that's exactly what I got. It's a whole lot of fun. It's goofy. It's silly. It's got some great basketball scenes in it because you've got great basketball players. Uh, the leader of the rival team, uh, Casper, is played by Aaron Gordon, who's one of the rising NBA stars. Uh, he actually gives a pretty good performance in it. I had so much fun watching this movie. And going into it, I was thinking, you know, this is a movie that if it's good could be revered by this generation uh, the same way Space Jam is revered by the last one. Uh, you have these NBA stars coming together to make this kind of goofy basketball movie and uh, it becomes like this cult classic and I think Uncle Drew uh, delivered on that and I think it's going to become this cult classic that will be remembered 20 years from now the way Space Jam is remembered today. I'm giving it a solid three stars. I had a whole lot of fun watching it. Uh, Adam, I know you've seen this one too, and you, uh, I, knowing your rating of it, you might not agree completely with me. What did you think of Uncle Drew? No, my rating, I, I, I am a little stricter on comedies, and I think that after a second viewing, it probably would go back up to like a two point five. I just I have a I think it was a really funny movie and I enjoyed it. I like the Space Jam reference uh, that you were just mentioning. 
I just don't know how it is on the replay value because it's sometimes it's super funny that one time watch and you watch it a second time it's just not as funny like uh, Deadpool uh, <laughs> uh, so that's my only thing I, it's like another movie I could think of this year Game Night I thought was funny but I didn't rate it as high as other people because of replay value I don't I just want to see that second time. But Uncle Drew was a lot of fun. I love the Uncle Drew. I just had that stuck in my head for like the all uh, all week after I saw it. But seeing all those crazy guys, especially Shaquille O'Neal as a sensei, it was pretty awesome. It's it's a fun movie for sure. So and I would disagree with you. I think it's a movie that would definitely be uh, be rewatchable, mm-hmm. and I think it's one that would get better as you go along and rewatch mm-hmm. it because it's one that I think it will end up being pretty quotable. That uh, is one that you can just keep going back to. Oh, two guys I forgot to mention. The two old guys that you have to have sitting in the bleachers giving their own commentary on the game. J.B. Smoove and Mike Epps. Uh, definitely add... They aren't on screen very much, but you can't get two better guys than that uh, given the, the bleacher commentary. Todd, have you seen this one yeah. yet? I have not. Although I am looking at okay, so this director Charles Stone the uh, Third, his previous sports movie that he did was Mister Three Thousand. So you're oh. saying it's not anything like that? No, no, no. It's better than that. It's better than that for sure. Okay. It, he also did Drumline. I know you like that movie. I yeah. It's better than Stepsister. Wait, Stepsisters. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, well, okay, well, those are the only two movies I recognize, so I, I was just thinking, like, I mean, Mr. 3000 looked kind of cool when we, when we first went to go see it, but then it was bad. Mr. 3000, so. yeah, that was, like, one of the worst movie-going experiences, one of the worst sports movies I've ever seen. Okay, well, I have, at least it's not that it, bad. I've also seen his other movie, Lila and Eve. It's a Jennifer Lopez and Viola Davis film. It's pretty paint-by-numbers movie that... We've seen thousands of times. All right. Well, nothing. Hopefully, this guy goes uh, somewhere with this. I mean, because he obviously Uncle Drew has a monster cast, so that's uh, encouraging. Best scene in the movie is watching a blind Reggie Miller drive a giant van backwards away from uh, from cop cars through an entire city. Yeah, <laughs> that's about that as good as it fun. gets right there. All right, so those are our uh, our three movies that you can go check. Still in theaters, all three, so uh, check those out if you can. Next, we're going to move into our Spotlight segment for the day. Spotlight. And for this podcast in our Spotlight segment, we're going to be looking at the first half of this year. We're already over halfway through 2018, which is kind of hard to think of in itself. But we're going to be looking at this first half of the year and kind of give our highlights and lowlights of what we thought movies that have come out so far that we have seen so far. And let's get started. We're going to give our top three and then our bottom one going through the first half of 2018. Todd, I'm going to start with you. Let's go. Uh, let's go three, two, one. Uh, why don't you just give us all three, uh, three, two, one, uh, in a row, and uh, tell us what they are, what you thought. All right. Well, uh, I got a few honorable mentions too, because I have six movies that I've given three and a half stars to. So, How many movies uh, have you seen so far mentions... in 2018? Let's start with that. 
Uh, I've seen 44. Okay. So, uh, this is definitely, uh, starting to become somewhat of an elite group, I guess. So, my, the ones that didn't quite make my top three were The Tale, which was an HBO movie with Laura Dern, uh, Sorry to Bother You, which is just absolutely bonkers, and Upgrade, which is, uh, a movie by Lee Wannell, who is, a uh, the writer of the Saw movies. Uh, but he directed this one. So, but my number three is uh, a movie called Mom and Dad, which is uh, directed by a guy named Brian Taylor, who uh, is the director of Crank. And uh, this is like a wacky B-movie with Nicolas Cage at his most over-the-top awesome. Uh, it's really dark humor. It's about a 24-hour period where the where parents uh, turn on their children and, and uh, in a mass hysteria and try to kill them. It's, uh, it's crazy, and to see Nick Cage doing this kind of thing is always fun. Uh, my number two was a movie that I saw on Netflix called Small Town Crime by, uh, the Nelms Brothers. Uh, it's about an alcoholic ex-cop who, uh, takes it upon himself to find redemption by becoming a P.I. to, uh, solve a crime, and it, it's arguably John Hawks' best performance ever. But my number one is, without a doubt, The Writer by Chloe Zhao. It's a, just a beautiful, emotional movie about a cowboy who has to come to grips with like his life after a devastating head injury. It's like The Wrestler meets My Own Private Idaho. It's a something really special. It's easily the best movie of the year that I've seen. I have not seen any of the movies that you mentioned. I don't think. So... I guess I have some work to do. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Adam? Have you seen any of those? Uh, no, I've been meaning to watch Mom and Dad and The Writer as well. And I haven't even heard of Small Town, uh, small town Crime. So it's on All my right. list now. Well, I'm going to go next. Uh, Todd has seen 44 movies in 2018. I've seen 14. Slightly smaller list. I have to say, though, for, uh, for this far into 2018... There's usually like a film that is a huge standout to me that ends up on my top ten. Um, there's one that might be borderline top ten that that I've seen so far, but outside of that, there there have been some decent movies, but nothing that's really blown me away that much, except for really my number one of the year right now. Um, I have I have two movies so far this year. I've given three and a half stars to, so uh, putting together a top three. It was kind of not that impressive, but um, but let's uh, let's go through it. My uh, I'll give you three honorable mentions, which are Black Panther, um, Ready Player One, and Ocean's Eight are my uh, are my honorable mentions. Uh, my number three, uh, I've already talked about a decent amount on the podcast, and that is Deadpool Two. Uh, a lot of fun. If you like the first Deadpool, you'll like Deadpool Two. It, uh, it definitely adds some new stuff by bringing Cable into it. Deadpool 2 is my number three. My number two is another superhero movie, Avengers Infinity War. Uh, just a, an insane movie with uh, so much stuff going on, with all the superheroes coming together all across the MCU. I really enjoyed this one and had a great cliffhanger making me wait to see what's going to happen in the next one that comes out next year. And number one, really the closest thing to anything that's blown me away, and honestly, maybe this ends up being a four-star movie before all is said and done, and that is A Quiet Place from John Krasinski, Emily Blunt, 
this horror film, this suspense film about these monsters that can only hear you and they have to stay silent at all times. It's an incredible movie on the edge of your seat. Absolutely love the, the movie going experience on that one. That is my number one so far this year. Okay, well, I haven't seen Deadpool because I, I don't like it, but uh, A Quiet Place and Avengers are my 9 and 11, so both are uh, totally good choices. I, I appreciate that. All right. Well, I have I have Todd's yeah. approval. That's good. Okay. Uh, and that is, matters, that is all that matters. That's all I'm searching for is to get Todd's approval <laughs> on my on my list. I've seen four times as many movies. This, this is true. Yeah. <laughs> but we're we're about to take another step up because Adam, how many movies from 2018 have you seen? I've seen 64. Whew. Thank you Movie Pass and there Netflix. So, uh, Deadpool 2 for me, it falls at number 37. But I will I will say though, out of all the movies I've seen, I gave three stars or higher to 30 films. All right. Uh, some of those are borderline three stars for sure, and have moved. Some of them have moved down. I've only given out two four stars, and one of them has been knocked down again as well. But my top three, I feel like two of these movies for sure are already top ten contenders. Are going to be in top ten for a while. Uh, my honorable mentions for this list, I'm going to give out three. I have A Quiet Place, which is currently at number four. Uh, when We First Met, it's a Netflix film, at number five. And I'm going to say Andre the Giant, it's an HBO documentary, at number six. Uh, but currently, sitting at number three on my list is Avengers Infinity War. Absolutely had a blast, like everything you said, Terry. Great uh, cliffhanger moment very unpredictable film i think everybody thought the movie was going to go somewhere and it went completely different it took some gut uh, some risk on certain moments it had a bunch of great character interactions which was really fun and having todd give his approval to the film is awesome so definitely check that one out <laughs> todd uh, gives thumbs up <laughs> yes <laughs> Can I just say, before you go any further, can I just say, one of the films I almost talked about this week was Ant-Man and the Wasp, and my biggest takeaway from Ant-Man and the Wasp was, if the best part of your movie is a mid credit scene showing how it relates to another movie, and that other movie being Infinity War, you don't have a good movie. That, that was my takeaway from yeah. Ant-Man and the Wasp. It it it, 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 yeah. it added to Infinity War, and that's what was the best part of the movie. That that's not that that doesn't make a good movie. That that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, it's a fun movie though. I I enjoyed that one, but I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. <laughs> uh, but number two on my list is a film called Revenge, and I thoroughly love this stylized revenge story about a young female who gets. Uh, brutally kind of raped by this guy and is left for dead in the desert by these three guys actually and she goes out and seeks revenge there's a lot of metaphors a lot of stylistic uh visuals in the film and the bloodiest third act you'll probably see all year i thoroughly enjoyed it i like the journey i was taken on it there are some subtitles in it but i think that's going to be easily overlooked because it's the story is very engaging and if you like stylized revenge stories with a lot of blood, definitely check out Revenge. That's probably going to be pretty close to being top 10 all year 
for me. And my number one movie is a documentary, and that is Won't You Be My Neighbor, the uh, Steve Rogers uh, documentary. This is the only film that's made me cry this year. Uh, there's a great story. I remember watching this, uh, this TV show growing up countless number of times and just seeing this guy who just wants to bring kindness and treating kids with the respect that they know it. these big heavy topics about divorce, about uh, suicide, uh, war, they, they can comprehend these different things. And seeing them understand that and how he wants to tell these things to kids and seeing his whole progression of the show, it's really inspiring and had a, it's probably my most nostalgic film I've seen all year. Definitely it's going to be really tough to beat that film as in my top 10 right now, but Won't You Be My Neighbor is hands down the best film I've seen this year. I haven't seen those top two yet. I really, really want to see Won't You Be My Neighbor. Uh, I was a huge fan of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and it's amazing how his legacy lives on, even though that show's been off the air for for quite some time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely nostalgic. So much nostalgia sitting in that theater watching it. Awesome. Todd, your thoughts on his list? Uh, I haven't seen the top two either, uh, but I find it interesting that Tom Hanks is going to be playing him in a movie coming out next year. That should be uh, that should be interesting. Hopefully it's better than Saving Mr. Banks. I agree. I agree. It better be better than that one. <laughs> and I also find it funny that in Trunk History, Colin Hanks played him in uh, one of the episodes, so... Everything comes full circle. I, I actually right? see Colin Hanks doing a better job playing him than Tom Hanks. That makes more yeah. sense. Hey, but Miss, but Eddie Murphy played him on SNL. That was mm. what was. And they did show a bunch of clips from that. Is that Mister Mister Robinson? Yeah, Mister Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen those sketches. Those are hilarious. Okay, so yeah. those are our top threes. Now let's uh, let's get into the the bottom of our list. Todd, give us your worst film you've seen uh, of twenty eighteen. Well, once again, my I have an honorable mention because it was a TV movie that has the same rating as my bottom movie. That's Fahrenheit four five one, and I have no idea how it got nominated for all those Emmys. Uh, it's <laughs> it's just a really bad bad attempt at a remake. But anyway, my number 44 of the year is Annihilation, which I'm honestly kind of tired of talking about because I have to say how bad it is to everybody who actually likes it, which it <laughs> seems to be everybody else. Uh, we reviewed it on this podcast, and it it's not good. It's a terrible movie. It's got an unoriginal ending. It's got pedestrian acting with the exception of Gina Rodriguez, and it's just overdone and the opposite of Alex Garland's last movie, Ex Machina. So... Yeah, that's definitely the worst movie of the year. I've yet to see Annihilation. <laughs> you watch your mouth, Todd. You watch your mouth. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Four Stars over here. Okay, this is the movie that has gone down the more I think about it. So I, I admit that I did listen to the podcast when you guys were talking about this movie, and I understand your complaints. I have to see this again, and I think that if I see it again, that I probably was just drinking the Kool-Aid too much the first time. I will say that. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a reason why it came out in February. That's well, Get Out came out pretty soon, early in the year too. So did Ex Machina. See, it wasn't that early. That was like April, and that was also a debut movie from director. I really have to see Annihilation. So I still want to see it, even, even though you hate it. I still want to see it. 
I'll give you that as your punishment, but I, I'm not on this one. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> but Gina Rodriguez was good in it, though, for sure. I will she say was. That. Yeah, she was the only one that looked like she was trying. All right. Uh, the bottom one on my list, number 14, it's the only movie I've given less than two stars to so far this year. And it's also one that's been talked about on this podcast before, and that is Hotel Artemis. With Jodie Foster, Sterling K. Brown, Charlie Day, Jeff Goldblum, Dave Bautista, Zachary Quinto, uh, Sophia Butella. It's a mess. It it's almost it tries to take itself seriously, but also tries to play off as almost cartoonish at times. It goes into this post-apocalyptic world almost without really explaining anything, and it's just laughably bad at times i went out of the theater laughing at the movie not enjoying the movie which is never a good sign so stay away from hotel artemis dang it that's just i remember hearing on that on the podcast too and i was kind of disappointed because i was kind of excited for it because that cast is fantastic i heard good things about dave batista though about that movie dave batista is pretty good and if you want to check it out you can check it out it's just not don't don't leave thinking or don't go in thinking you're uh, about to see the next Die Hard. Or John Wick. Yeah. But it sounds like same kind of... <laughs> All right, Adam. You're bottom. All right. So I'm going to give throw out some honorable mentions because I don't... My, my least favorite film is a direct-to-DVD, so I'm going to only talk about theatrical movies. But my honor, two dishonorable mentions are two straight-to-DVD films and their sequels. Uh, Day of the Dead Bloodline, which is... Uh, sequel, an unofficial sequel to George Romero's uh, classic zombie film. Also, Deep Blue Sea 2, which was what we wanted to see uh, for a long time. Um, definitely. <laughs> and what's bad is the best scene in the original film, the Samuel L. Jackson scene, they try to reenact that in this film, which is always what you want to do in a sequel, is re- reenact your best sequence. Um, but my least favorite film that's what hit the theaters came out on Super Bowl weekend starring Oscar winner Helen Mirren called Winchester. This movie, with that title alone, should be a interesting story to tell. However, the film feels like it's two different styles of films. The beginning of the, f- the film, even though it comes across maybe a little TV movie, is very interesting. It, feel- it tells feels like it's kind of a biopic type of thing however when it gets to the, about halfway through the second act it takes a turn for more of the science fiction horror uh, jump scare uh, that we've kind of seen uh, countless from bad horror films and it, i think this story would have been better told as a biopic and understanding that house a little more in the the kind of the mindset of uh, mrs winchester however it just decides to go for that cheap horror f- uh, flair that is unmemorable and just a big missed opportunity, and that's why they shoved it during Super Bowl weekend. I have not seen that movie. Todd, have you seen that one? Uh, no. I think it's probably a good rule of thumb to stay away from Helen Mirren movies nowadays. Sadly, that's just the, a good point because she was she's I still she's still one of my favorites for the simple fact that it's Helen Mirren. You think it should be something you just draw to that she's gonna be awesome anyway, but she's just taking so many roles. She's kind of. Unfortunately, I don't want to throw his name on it, but kind of Robert De Niro is kind of just doing movies just to do them, unfortunately. Hey, last couple of movies of De Niro have not been I know, they can't greatest, even get you know uh, 
my most anticipated movie of January released anymore. Remember that, Terry? <laughs> the uh, the War with Grandpa. They 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 they've they've delayed it three different times. Oh, <laughs> my heart breaks for you, Todd. Yeah. I know it's it's Walkin and De Niro, and it's got Uma. That is my movie. That was meant <laughs> to be a January release. You know that movie was going to be terrible, right? Oh yeah, obviously. <laughs> But that cast is served. But they can't four even stars. get it released. How do you not? I mean, it's De Niro. Like you can't even like throw it on a Netflix or something. I mean, come on. The comedian took forever to get released too. True. That was a great movie. I give it a three and a half stars. You might be the only person. Oh yeah. yeah. To give it that yeah. that high. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, anyways, that's our uh, our review of the year so far. Over the next six months, we'll be watching a lot more movies. We'll be uh, getting into award season and starting to see some of the awards contenders coming out in the next couple months. And uh, you can tune into the podcast to hear what we think about those as they are released. All right. I think it is now time to move into our power rankings. You can't top that. Yeah, that's the movie about the horse. I'm going to pull an audible at the last minute here. I'm kind of nervous now. Power rankings. Not including Fargo. Can't choose Fargo ever again. On our last podcast, we had our uh, traditional power rankings game, which Todd won. And he picked our category for us. And our game this time, well, our game usually is trying to predict what Adam's list is going to be. But since Adam is here and Zach is not, our game is going to be this time picking Zach's list, which I don't know if it's going to be easier or harder, Todd. What do you think? Uh, well, given the category and there's no French movies to pick, uh, it's probably going to be more difficult. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I agree. Anyways, so tell us, Todd, what our category is for this podcast. First of all, you can't give me any more crap for missing a podcast for camping because Zach is doing that now. That is true. So, that is true. Uh, it's like the one uh, reason we can we can miss <laughs> miss the podcast is camping. <laughs> all right. Well, what I chose uh, because uh, this weekend uh, the Equalizer Two is coming out, which is uh, uh, the first sequel for Denzel Washington. We're doing Denzel Washington performances. Before we get to that, I want to ask you guys. Uh, since this is his first sequel, what movies of his are you most surprised did not get a sequel before, or which ones do you think would have come up with the best sequels? Ooh. Okay. I, I can think of two. Unstoppable with Denzel Washington and Chris Pine. I think that's, you know, them trying to stop trains or high-speed objects. I think that's kind of... Speed got a sequel, for crying out loud. Unstoppable could have got one. Uh... Also, Inside Man. They kind of set it up where they he could go after if they wanted to tell that story. He could have gone after Clive Owen, Clive Owen, if they wanted to. Yeah, it, Inside. Yeah, that was one that I think they had planned a sequel for a while, like which would have been. I mean, it would have been awesome to see. Like that was such a great movie. That's what I was gonna say. Is I think in, Inside Man would have been a a great one to have a sequel to, and like you said, I think it did have one in the plans for a little while, but nothing ever came of it. Yeah, there. A lot of his movies are so good, just standalone. I mean, I could see some of his like early '90s stuff get a sequel, like um, like Crimson Tide or 
or maybe you could do like a like a Philadelphia sequel where you follow him and he's doing something else or um I I don't know. I I, I the one that I that I thought of that I thought would have been hilarious to have a sequel to is Remember the Titans 2. That yeah, I don't know how you would have done that. I mean, I guess he probably had a couple more good yeah, scenes yeah. after that. I mean, how how did well, Disney not capitalize on that and and try and try and uh, strike while the iron was hot there? Yeah, well, the, the ones that I thought of, uh, Unstoppable was probably the one that was most obvious. I think Roman J. Isqua, Israel Esquire probably would, but it flopped. Uh, then you got The Book of Eli and Two Guns and deja vu like he has a bunch of those like random action movies that easily could have had sequels to him two guns already oh, sounds like and... a sequel yeah it does <laughs> and out of time and man of man on fire pretty much the same movie they could easily have sequels and i think training day could have had a prequel which would have been pretty mm. cool but he couldn't have played the part the uh deja vu sequel should be vuja day <laughs> or whatever the reverse deja vu is <laughs> v- vuja day yeah. That wow. See. All right. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, anyway, it's probably. I just think it's fu- it's interesting because he's made so many movies and so many could have spawned sequels, but they haven't. So I was just, I I think the Equalizer two is such a weird thing for him to do because it was a remake to begin with. So, he's also one anyway. of like the few like big Hollywood stars that has yet to voice an animated movie. That's a good point. Yeah, that's in, that's interesting that he's he's never done that before. Because all of those get sequels, obviously. That's true, and everybody does it now. Well, anyways, so our power ranking is going to be Denzel Washington performances that are not sequels because nobody's going to mention Equalizer two. Also, we can't choose Fargo. Yeah, and yeah, Fargo is not. He was brilliant in that, But he though. was so good in it. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant in Fargo. <laughs> okay. I think I'm going to start on this one. Looking at my number five Denzel Washington performance, and it's kind of funny that it's this because I just mentioned it. It is Coach Herman Boone uh, in Remember the Titans. First off, I will say I have a lot of glaring omissions uh, in what I've seen of Denzel. However, at the same time... Of all the Denzel Washington movies, I think I've probably seen Remember the Titans the most. It is, it's such a fun movie. It kind of is part of the soundtrack to my childhood in a lot of ways because it was on repeat, it seems like, on TV for a lot of years as I was channel surfing. And I still enjoy it. I love that movie. It's a great movie. And he gives a wonderful performance leading this team based on a true story. Uh, I I love it. I love the movie. I love his performance in it. So uh, Remember the Titans is my number five. It's a good one. It's a fun one. Yeah, hard to argue. It is our father's favorite movie it is. of all time. It is. Adam, let's go to you next. Number five. It's a movie I also just mentioned as well, directed by Spike Lee, came out in 2006, Inside Man. Uh, he plays, Denzel plays a police detective, and it's about a detective, a bank robber, and a high-power uh, broker enter a high-stakes negotiation after the criminal's brilliant heist spirals into a hostage situation. 
Denzel is awesome in this one. I think what makes his performance so much better is that Spike Lee gives him some great dialogue to work with, some great one-liners, and I think that's just what makes his performance that much better. And seeing him try to figure out what's happening with this hostage negotiation, this bank, this robbery, this is fantastic and a lot of fun, and it makes the two hours and nine-minute runtime go by so fast. I, I love Inside Man. It just missed my list because I don't think he's the reason that the movie's so good. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's so many good things happening in that movie, and he is not... The movie isn't dependent on his performance. Yeah, it's a great movie. I, I don't think necessarily he's a standout, but I mean, anytime you can mention Inside Man, it's a good Absolutely. Film yeah. Alright, my number five, I have uh, his role as Easy Rollins in uh, Devil in a Blue Dress. Uh, this movie isn't all that great, but Denzel is really quite amazing, and he plays a World War II veteran in 1948 who uh, takes a P.I. role uh, to find a missing woman. It has a really noirish feel, and uh, the old-fashioned detective story really fit the, the early stage in Washington's career, and... It's not as demonstrative as his other performances, but he really did disappear into the role. And it also features Don Cheadle's best performance ever as well. But Devil in a Blue Dress, great Denzel performance. That's my number five. I have not seen that one. That is one of the ones that I am missing. Along with probably some more that are going to be coming up on your list later. Number four on my list is probably his most recent uh, great performance. And that is the role of Troy Maxson in Fences, a movie that uh, Denzel also directed. This is a movie that you could tell was very near and dear to Denzel's heart, and it came out in his performance. He gives a a remarkable performance as a former baseball player, uh, sitting on his back porch, dealing with his family, um, going through a lot of of, uh, strife and what's going on in his life. Uh, it it's a it, whenever you can have an engaging movie for an hour and a half that really takes place on one set piece is amazing and he's the heart and soul of that movie and uh, it, it's a great one if you haven't seen that one it just came out a couple years ago check out Fences it's my number four Denzel performance good film good film and good performance uh, my number four because I do have some glaring holes in my Denzel Washington filmography as well. But I have number four, The Equalizer, the very first film in the, the two movies, uh, directed by Antoine Fuqua. Uh, what I liked about The Fu- uh, Equalizer here was that Denzel, he just steps into kind of a new, different realm where he's the older guy doing these action films. He follows like Liam Neeson in the, this kind of genre. And I think he kicks some a lot of ass in this film. I really like his relationship with Chloe Grace Moretz, and seeing him take down the people that have wronged Chloe's character is just a lot of fun. And seeing him going back into this life of um, the life that he put behind him, and seeing him kind of come out of that as well, and trying to balance both lives now is just a lot of really cool experience and I really liked this film a lot. I gave this a 3.5 out of 4 when it came out and I just think that Denzel delivers a great performance and it's just a lot of fun to seeing him taking on this genre of film. It is a decent movie. 
uh, good performance, but when I think of the Equalizer, even though I've seen the movie, I still only think of the scene in The Wolf of Wall Street where Rob Reiner is freaking out about someone calling him during the Equalizer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good one. I forgot I, about that. I have not seen The Equalizer. Or The Equalizer 2. Yeah, yeah me neither. Alright, Todd. Alright, my number four is uh, his role as Private Silas Trip in Glory. And uh, if you've seen the movie and it's not in your top five, Denzel performances, you're just lying. Uh, it's another movie that isn't all that great, but he is electric in, in his role. He, he won an Oscar for it. He, he, it's a movie about uh, one of the first all-black regiments in the, in the Union Army, and uh, Denzel plays an escaped slave who's, who's recruited to join. And uh, his role is just heartbreaking. And the one time that I can think of his where it's all facial expressions and that's all he needs to deliver his performance. And is unreal. Like, it's uh, easily in his top five. And I can't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't exclude it. All right. It is not in my top five. But I haven't seen it. So. Uh, and, and it is, it is his first Oscar win correct i have not seen it either it is it was his first oscar win yes in like his third or fourth movie yeah okay number three on my list todd might be mad at me for but number three on my list is his second oscar win and that is the role of alonzo in training day this is a movie that I really need to watch again. It's been way too long since I've seen it, but when I saw it, one of the things I remembered is I thought it was a little overrated. I didn't love it as much as everybody else did. Uh, I think looking back on it now, I probably would like it more if I were to rewatch it now. But one thing you can't deny is the insanity of Denzel Washington in this performance. He is playing a completely against type of anything you've ever seen from Denzel Washington before playing this dirty cop, uh, taking, uh, Ethan Hawke out on his first day on the job. It's an insane ride and Denzel definitely deserved the recognition he got for it. And it's definitely a movie I need to see again, but, uh, training day is number three on my list. Well, I don't necessarily agree with any of that. I think it's an amazing movie, and I don't think it's necessarily one of his best performances, <laughs> but I always thought Ethan Hawke was a standout. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed the movie, too. I feel like he was kind of hamming it up a little bit. I don't think he should maybe even want, necessarily won the Oscar for it, but it's still a good performance. It's still a good movie. Yeah, Ethan no Hawke... problem with him winning Best Actor, but yeah. I mean... It's... Ethan Hawke was the better, I think. Denzel was two, the though. flashy one, yeah. but... Ethan Hawke doesn't have anything to do without what Denzel's doing on screen. It's a good good argument. I suppose, yeah. He yeah. is always the sporting guy, unless he's playing Jesse. Exactly. Yeah. Or in Daybreakers. All right. Adam, uh, you're number three. Uh, this, I'm kind of surprised I put this one at number three, to be honest with you, because I'm not, I think the director's kind of overrated, Ridley Scott, uh, but it's American Gangster. He plays Frank Lucas. It's a... He is takes over as this uh, drug dealer, specifically in heroin. Uh, heroin. He imports it into the Har Harlem district. It's a based off a true story with him and Russell Crowe going at it as well. Uh, I think Denzel Washington kind of just has that cockiness and that smugness to play this character, and just kind of a, a lot of know-how. He has this kind of the 
commanding presence on uh, on screen and it finds my, uh, my way up to number three just because it's out of the, the what I remember of the movie is Denzel from being so good in it so I'm putting it here even though I think Ridley Scott is kind of really hit or miss director yeah I pretty much agree with that good good <laughs> Alright, um, my number three is his role as uh, Ruben Carter in The Hurricane. It's a movie that I've always found to be quite underrated, uh, and it's a role that I think would have won him another Oscar if it wasn't one of the most stacked Best Actor categories ever in 1999. Uh, he plays uh, Hurricane Carter, who's a middleweight boxer who's wrongly convicted of murder, and he writes his autobiography, which like gets this group of Canadians uh, to who read his book and like to and try to help him uh, get that conviction overturned and there's a bunch of racial tension and explosive scenes and I don't really think there's another actor I could picture playing that part. Norman Jewison always gets the best out of his actors and this is uh, another example of that. So The Hurricane is uh, my number three Denzel performance. Alright. I would have to agree with you because number two on my list is The Hurricane. Uh, I I agree with everything that you said. It's a lot of fun to see great performances out of out of those supporting characters that can come along and try to get him out. Uh, one of which is Leah Schreiber, who became a, a bigger uh, a bigger hit later on. I I always loved this performance. I always thought it was an amazing movie. Um, seeing kind of justice work itself out. And I agree. I thought I think it's one of his most underrated performances, and he should have gotten more notoriety for it than he did. But again, like you said, it was it was a stacked category that year. But yeah, Hurricane. I love it. It is my number two. Sadly, this is a gap in my watching. I haven't seen this one actually, oh. so I'm pretty sad right now. Yes. Um. Okay, but my my number two is one of my favorite movies from 93 and that is philadelphia uh him and tom hanks are the two leads in the film uh tom hanks character of andrew beckett he is uh, fired um, from his law firm uh, he's, he has hiv and he's fired by his law firm because of his condition and he hires uh denzel's character who is joe miller who is a small town um, small time lawyer who's also um, homophobic as well uh, and he's gonna uh, help defend Andrew Beckett in this wrongful this case. I think uh, Denzel and Tom Hanks have some really good chemistry on screen. They gave a really good both of them give good performances. I think they're pretty much on par uh, with one another. And when I, I was floored, I actually saw this movie the first time last year, and I was kind of floored by it. And I really just enjoyed the two performances. Even uh, getting a great performance out of Antonio Banderas is uh, really cool as well in this film. Uh, but Denzel, I think just again shows that he has some really great acting chops as well and gives a really good uh, stern performance specifically dealing with the source material I agree I, I love his performance in Philadelphia it just missed my list yeah it is a, it is a good performance uh, did not make my list uh, my number two is uh, his performance in Courage Under Fire, playing Lieutenant Colonel Nat Sterling. Uh, he's a Desert Storm veteran who 
is uh, struggling with the aftermath of a failed mission and is has to investigate a female uh, soldier pilot who uh, and her worthiness to receive the Medal of Honor. It's a much sadder performance and his most restrained that I ever saw him. And but it is and it is least showy, but it also is very like really impressive and subtle at the same time. And I think it's a it's a great movie, and uh, and he it's a brilliant cast and he he leads it and and just leaves a huge impact on mm. on that movie. It's uh, it's a great movie, great performance. Courage Under Fire. I also. Uh... I, I love that movie. It just missed my list. But let's get into our number ones. Uh, my number one is one that has been mentioned uh, by someone once before. And that is the role of Frank Lucas in American Gangster. I love this performance for a lot of the same reasons that Training Day was good. It is Denzel Washington playing against type. And playing this gangster... It's kind of Denzel Washington's version of The Godfather in a lot of ways, is how he plays it. It is, um, it is a menacing character, but it's a little bit more restrained than what you see in Training Day. He's not standing in the middle of the road shouting about King Kong. Uh, but you are scared of Frank Lucas. I mean, he, he is a frightening character. It is... It is a remarkable performance and I remember when I first saw this movie I loved it but it was one that became forgettable moving forward and like Adam said Ridley Scott is kind of hit or miss I think this may have been one of his one of his hits and I it's one I really want to go back and see again because it's been too long since mm-hmm. I've watched it maybe it'll stick in my head a little better the second time around but his performance definitely stu- stuck in my head and that puts it at number one on my list. Now, let me just say, it is number one on my list partially because I haven't seen Glory, I haven't seen Malcolm X, and sadly, I haven't seen He Got Game. There are some big holes in my Denzel uh, Denzel viewing. I have a feeling if I would have seen any of those, they probably would have ended up on my list, but I haven't. So American Gangster is my number one. Yes. Good, good pick there, Terry. Uh, my number one has also been mentioned already, and that is his role in Fences. Uh, Fences, he plays Troy Maxson. Basically, you've already des- described the film, Terry, but this I went to see this film with my wife, and we had such a discussion about the, his character specifically. Well, my wife did not like his character. She kind of didn't like the movie the first time. Uh, we watched it immediately leaving the theater, and I absolutely... Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I loved it a lot. I think Viola Davis was fantastic in it, but having Denzel be able to give a great performance while directing a film uh, of this caliber is amazing. And I think having Denzel Washington and having a, my conversation with my wife about his character just makes me enjoy that performance so much more than the other ones. So Fences um, is my number one uh, performance that he's in, So for me anyway. But that's also with me not seeing films like Antoine Fisher, Malcolm X, Glory, He Got Game, or The Hurricane. So. And I would agree that uh, that his role in Fences, he's not a likable character, but that's kind of the point. However, I would say he's it's probably one of his most believable characters. That's what I love about it. 
All right, right. Todd, you're number one. Yeah, um, I agree with Adam. That is my number one as well. Troy Maxson in Fences, uh, which is even made more impressive by the fact that he directed himself. And I don't know. I think it's almost... It's a performance that was so deep within him because, I mean, he had been playing it on Broadway for years and it, it's something that was so natural to him. And uh, it was... And it's, it's a vanity project for him, for sure. And uh, it's a explosive acting, it's devastating. And while Viola Davis really was best in show, it's uh, Denzel is just otherworldly in that. And totally just, yeah, unlikable, really, but but really human at the same time. And you can't take your eyes off of him. And I love it that it kept the stagey feel to the movie. And uh, it, it really just gives way to its actors. And Denzel just blows everybody off the screen, other than Viola Davis. Yeah. And any other year best actor of the year right yeah yeah he would have won any any year that wasn't uh casey but we fr- todd and i watched the oscars that year and we literally freaked out mostly because we were drunk but when casey won we like screamed so loud where your parents came down and checked on us to make sure we were not beating each other up <laughs> <laughs> true that <laughs> was uh was fences his directorial debut uh no, no he directed no. antoine fisher and the great debaters Oh, okay. So it wasn't. However, for someone not known for directing a big star like that, it it's impressive that he showed so much restraint in a film like that. Like you said, he he didn't he didn't make feel like anything less than a play. Yeah, uh, he 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 kept it at, at that level where it could have been so easy to show. Well, let me show you what kind of directing I can do and make it this huge scale and big scope. He kept it small and he kept it intimate because that's what it needed to be. I. I think that movie's whole focus too was like to do that everything we just said, but also get Viola uh, an Oscar. Because I think that was like the clear like front runner for the best supporting actress too. Well, didn't both of them win a Tony for that on Broadway? I believe so. Yeah. 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 So it was definitely roles that they were familiar with. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's look at some honorable mentions. Uh, most of my honorable mentions have been mentioned already. Uh, Inside Man is on my honorable mentions. Courage Under Fire, which was mentioned already. Philadelphia, which was mentioned. The one that wasn't mentioned that uh, is one, it has been forever since I've seen it, but I remember it and I remember liking his performance in it. The Pelican Brief with Julia Roberts. It It's it's a good movie. I need to go back and revisit that one. But, uh, but yeah, Pelican Brief. I think Terry Senior agrees with you on that. I think I think you're right. That might be because it has early 90s Julia Roberts in it. Touche. Yeah. Okay. Adam, your your honorable mention. All right. So my honorable mentions are Training Day, Deja Vu, Remember the Titans, Deja Vu, Man on Fire, and Deja Vu. (laughs) I knew you were going to do that. As soon as you said it once, I'm like, he's going to say it again. (laughs) Exactly. Can I just say I'm I'm shocked that I'm the only one that actually had Training Day in my top five. I yeah. find that I find that strange. Yeah, I just think it's kind of a uh, comes across a little hammy if you look, especially like the King Kong stuff. It's a, it's fun. It's a good performance, but I just think I like the other one. His more uh, subtle performances. Well, I think I just had too many movies to go by, but it is in my honorable mention. Uh, that's one of them. I have Malcolm X in my honorable mention, Crimson Tide, He Got Game, and uh, A Soldier's Story. 
Okay. Nice. Overachiever. Okay, well, let's hop into uh, to the interesting part here, and that is trying to predict Zach's list. Um, like Todd said, this is going to be really tough this time because Denzel Washington hasn't been in a French film. If he had, obviously that one would have been on the list. I, I'm, I've had a really tough time putting this one together because there are so many great Denzel performances that I could see Zach loving. However... There are just as many that I could see him hating, and it was really finding which obscure Denzel film he was going to include and which ones he was going to ignore. So, here is my top five for Zach. Uh, number five, Glory. Number four, Cry Freedom. Number three, Fences. Number two, He Got Game. Number one, Malcolm X. It's a good list. Good Adam, what do you list. got? Number five, I got He Got Game. Number four, Fences. Number three, Malcolm X. Two, Philadelphia. One, Antoine Fisher. See, Antoine Fisher I wanted to fit in there, but ugh. Okay, Todd. All right, I went with the other Spike Lee movie, Mo Better Blues, I have at number five. I almost put that one in too. (laughs) American Gangster at number four, Antoine Fisher at number three, Glory number two, Malcolm X number one. Can I just say... We, we can't go by talking about American Gangster without me mentioning one of the greatest movie-going experiences, and I'm sad Ding. Zach isn't on here to <laughs> to uh, to talk about it when we went and had a double feature of American Gangster and Goodfellas. It, it was great. Uh, Zach, Aww. when you listen to this, if you listen to this, uh, <laughs> that was a great time, wasn't it? Man, that was, that was good times. Okay, and we went on a frosty run in between. It was great. All right, (laughs) Zach's Denzel Washington performances. Honorable mentions. Glory, He Got Game, Philadelphia, Remember the Titans, and Training Day. That's one of mine. There go two two of mine. mine. Okay. Number five, The Hurricane. Mm. Number four, Fences. Yes. No, number three, Mississippi Masala. Oh, that was, I didn't even know that was a movie until this morning. <laughs> number two, The Mighty Quinn. And number one, Malcolm X. I got one. I got two. I got two. But Vince's was at number four, just like I said. Dude, he I, loves Antoine Fisher. That's like his number five of the year. And he yeah, gave him four I stars. Had, I had Malcolm X one, I had Fences three. I had Malcolm X three, Fences four. I think I got it. I mean, I, I think the ultimate tiebreaker is getting number one right. I had Malcolm X one. Yeah, but you only, that was the only one you got. <laughs> As Todd hangs his head. So I think I'm the winner. Right? Yeah. Sounds yeah. Like right. It. All right. So I get to pick our category. Uh, next time I will say I have a feeling our category next time our our next podcast will be uh, recording in the month of August because it's already getting close to August and I have a feeling our podcast might have something to do with the fact that August marks the 10th anniversary of Almost Sideways 
10 years ago next month we have start we started almost sideways.com so Damn. it may have something to do with that stay tuned for the next podcast to find out what it is thank you zach for giving me that honor thank you thank you okay it is now time to hop into our trivia game are you ready well let's hope so oh i forgot about this John Void is a slap in the face. This is going downhill quick. Trivia. Okay, so last we are time once I again, won. Yeah, last time Todd won the Mariners, the Mariners trivia. trivia. Although I must say that Todd Helton smothered the for the single by Ichiro, it's not t- JT Snow. It's JT Todd Snow. Helton. Helton. So yes, Todd won last time, and we've decided to switch things up a little bit here. And what we're going to do. Possibly moving forward is whoever wins the trivia game gets to host the trivia game the next time as they quiz the other two people on the podcast. So since Todd won, Todd will be hosting today's trivia game that will pit me against Adam. And we'll get to that in a second. But first, we have to go through my punishment for losing trivia last time which i still can't believe i did how how did kazazaki not get a win anyways um my my punishment is is kind of partially an inside joke with us uh my punishment was the 2011 film warrior and one of the main reasons Todd picked this movie is because Nick Nolte was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for this movie. And whenever we quiz each other on the Oscars and who was nominated, I always forget Nick Nolte's nomination for Warrior. I, and it was one that I would always say, I'm never going to remember this. So Todd made me watch it. So hopefully next time we're going through the Oscars, I might remember Nick Nolte was nominated for Warrior. Well, you would never remember Robert Duvall and the Judge. No, I won't remember that either. And you shouldn't. I don't even think seeing it would help me remember that one. I'm not even sure Robert Duvall would remember that. Yeah. What a snooze fest. So anyways, uh, Warrior was uh, written and directed by Gavin O'Connor, starring Tom Hardy, Joel Edgerton, and Nick Nolte. It has a really interesting start to it. It feels like you're dropped in halfway through a movie at the start of this movie because there's so much backstory that it decides to not tell you about until halfway through or even the end of the movie when you finally figure out everything that's going on. But you get this uh, this great scene, this like dramatic like Oscar bait scene at the very beginning of the movie between Tommy played by Tom Hardy, who's a, uh, a former, uh, military man, former wrestler, uh, turned fighter and his dad, who was his trainer, a former alcoholic. And they have, uh, and they have this scene of like reunion as the first scene. And you have no vested interest in these characters. You have no, you don't care what's going on yet because you don't know who these people are. And they start the movie off with it. I thought it was a really off-putting start to the movie. Uh, one of the first things that popped up is as the movie started and you found out that Tom Hardy's name was Tommy, my wife was sitting in the room and the first thing she goes is, that's an original fighter's name. <laughs> it's like, it's a, it's a fighting movie. Of course one of them's name is going to be Tommy. Tommy Gunn. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, as it went along, I started to get into it a little more. Uh, I thought the last hour of the movie was outstanding, even though it was pretty unrealistic that you would have these two no-name people fight through this tournament and end up in the championship. Uh, I thought there were some there were some good parts. There were some weird parts. Um, I thought Jennifer Morrison, who plays Joel Edgerton's wife, she reminded me it was a perfect example of uh, on Saturday Night Live this last season. They had a character that was that would pop up that was the uh, the girlfriend from a boxing movie, and it would pop up on the weekend update desk, and she would just get all upset about you're not gonna fight again. And if you fight again, I'm taking my children to them to my mother's. And, like this, this is Jennifer, Jennifer Morrison is the reason this character exists. <laughs> it's like a combination of Jennifer Morrison and like Rachel McAdams from uh, the the uh, the Jake Gyllenhaal movie. What was that one? Southpaw. Um, Southpaw. Yeah, it, it was a combination of like this and that and a couple others. It was it was great. Um, I thought it was interesting. You get a lot of backstory into Brendan and a lot of scenes of like his motivation and him training how, and that that's Joel Egerton's character. And they end up being brothers, which you kind of know at the beginning, but they don't reveal to everybody else late until later on, but you don't really get anything on Tommy until the very, very, very end of why he's doing this, why he's fighting, why should we be rooting for him? And he's the one that's being trained by his dad and we see no training scenes between the two of them. I thought that was kind of weird. Um, it turns out Brendan is basically Cinderella man. He's basically James Braddock, Russell Crowe from Cinderella man. He's this guy who wasn't a very good fighter though. Now that he has motivation, he's all of a sudden the greatest there is. Uh, Nick Nolte was outstanding as the father figure. I thought Tom Hardy was a little over the top. I thought Edgerton was awesome. Um, I don't know how I want to rate this movie yet. I've got it like right on the two and a half, three star range, which for us is like the, the difference between the thumbs up and a thumbs down. The first hour was just lost for me. The last hour was great, but I really didn't like how the, how it ended. I thought that was, that was kind of a cop out way to end. So I was all set to give it three stars and then it ended the way it did. I'm like, Oh really? That's how you're ending it? Oh, so I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it was worth the watch, but I don't, I don't know if I'm going to give it a thumbs up or not. Yeah, that was basically what I was, where, where I was with it. Uh, everyone loved it when it came out, except I was like, this is just goes into that category of, you know, the macho sweaty guy porn like with 300 or gladiator and all that i just don't really buy it and with if it's like the first big mma movie but i mean there was a movie that came out a few years earlier that i thought was like better at that which was red belt and uh i don't know i never liked warrior all that much i'm glad that you are you're basically on the same page i think i did give it like a low two and a half stars so okay okay so there's a couple scenes in here that that i found really really funny so so Tommy gets to the championship first in this tournament and then Brendan fights and beats the the Russian played by all-American Kurt Angle and ends up 
ends up in the championship and then after he's in the championship they it all of it comes out that that uh that tommy is his brother and it's going to be brother versus brother and then you see the scene with brendan sitting in the sitting in the back and he's like i don't know what i'm gonna do i guess i'm gonna have to fight i'm like you, you're acting like you just found out that he's your brother. You knew this the entire time. Why is this now a conflict for you? This should have been a conflict as soon as you found out he won. It's like, man, if I win this, I got to fight my brother. But no, no, no. You didn't realize it until the announcer said, oh, by the way, he's your brother. What? You've had scenes with him already in this movie. What is going on? <laughs> And, and, and like Tommy has this hidden identity throughout almost the entire movie until that point. And the, the thing is, I mean, yeah, okay, he's hiding his identity. No one quite knows who he is. But they know who his dad is, who's following him around everywhere and is seen as his trainer in the corner the entire time. How could they not go, oh, yeah, that guy, and oh, and that's your son. Oh, and that's also your son the second he steps in the ring. I mean, this guy was like, I mean, not a legendary trainer, but you got you get the idea. He had some notoriety in what he could, was able to do. Of course, uh, he has almost to be like an a Levar Ball right? type of guy. But it, how how is how do you not recognize that? Oh, this is this is this guy, and oh look, it's his sons. I thought it was it was a little it was a little contrived. McNulty could have been played by any old man who who's played an alcoholic before. Like it could have been Robert Duvall or Gary Busey or uh, Sam Shepard or anybody. Like that character has been played a million times, and that was another reason why I didn't like it. It was just like, how many times does does the main character's problem got to be that his dad is a drunk? The best yeah. guy to play that character would have been Peter Semetsky. Simone Chek. <laughs> <laughs> If we were recasting it, that definitely would be a good option. Uh, now that that is done, let's get into this game. Uh, Todd, tell us what we're going to be doing. Tell us how what you're quizzing us on. Alright, so uh, I didn't really know what I could quiz you both on because you both have very uh, defined expertises in movies. And so I decided with something that you both have somewhat of a knowledge of, and that is box office trivia. And so what I'm going to do is I have a, I have three different categories, and we're going to do it all World Series pop culture style, where it's going to be back and forth, and um, you, you can continue getting points as you go along if the other person gets out. So you get a point for getting more than the other person, you get a point for every one that you get after that. And then after the three rounds, whoever has most points wins. Okay. And they're going to be somewhat random categories, I guess, but I'm going to explain why I chose them. Right, and, and, so, and Adam cannot see your uh, computer, Cap correct? Yes, I am turning. I'm turning uh, my, my back to him right now. Um, uh, so the first category, uh, in honor of Denzel's uh, uh, R-rated uh, sequel, uh, the Equalizer coming out, I'm going to be looking at uh, the top twenty R-rated movies in the box office of the 1990s. So. Uh, we are talking about domestic box office here, not worldwide, not adjusted for inflation. We uh, So you're going to have 20 movies you can go through. You don't have to go in order of the of number 1 through 20, but uh, you have 20 movies that you can uh, choose from, and uh, you're going to go back and forth. All right, you can jot down some answers if you have to, but when you get one wrong, you are out of this round. 
I chose the 90s because that was uh, where the majority of my Denzel Washington uh, movie performances came from. Gosh, okay. Oh, man. Alright, um, since uh, I don't really have a good way of deciding who goes first, we will go... Uh, the person who didn't win the last category gets the honors here, so Adam gets to give the first movie. So 1990s? 1990 through 1999. Uh, Terminator 2. Terminator 2 is correct. That was n number 2. Schindler's List. Schindler's List is not correct. Oh gosh, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would be a good one. Ugh. Um, so, uh, Adam gets one point. Can you continue going, Adam? <laughs> uh, the Matrix. The Matrix is number six. Oh, gosh. That was 99. Uh, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan is number one. Uh, I wrote down Titanic, but I couldn't remember if that's R or not. That's not our it's, Yeah, it's not. That's not correct. That is PG-13. Yeah, when he so said I, Saving Private Ryan was number one, you oh should yeah, have realized Titanic was not on the list. <laughs> but I couldn't think of anything either, so... Can, can, I, can I see if the other ones I had on here are on the list? Go for it. Uh, Braveheart? Yeah. Uh, Braveheart is not on the list. Whoa. Silence of the Lambs? Yeah. Silence of the Lambs is number 17. Fargo? Fargo is not on the list. American Beauty. American Beauty is number 19. Speed. Speed is not on the list. Die Hard with a Vengeance. Not on the list. Pulp Fiction. Not on the list. Okay, I would have been... I was okay. doomed no matter what. So, uh, one's, uh... Number three was Pretty Woman. Number four was There's Something About Mary. Number Aww. five, Air Force One. We got The Firm, Jerry Maguire, True Lies, Lethal Weapon 3, A Few Good Men, Blair Witch Project, Goodwill Hunting, The Green Mile, Ransom, The Rock, Lethal Weapon 4, oh. number 20 was The Birdcage. Damn it. Oh my god. You bastard. I had to throw it in there. He's not here, so. So, Adam has the lead 3 to nothing. <laughs> Yay. We got three out of 20 movies. Hopefully this next category is better. It might be a little bit more in your expertise. Since we just had the All-Star Game, we are going with the top 20 baseball movies at the box office of all time. So these are all movies that baseball is, like, the centerpiece of the movie. It's not like there's a baseball scene or something like that. Okay, uh, for this, we will start with Terry. Uh... Uh, give me your first uh, guess. Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams is number five. Moneyball. Moneyball is number three. Major League. Major League is number ten. Uh, Bull Durham. Bull Durham is number eight. Already doing better than last time. A League of Their Own. A League of Their Own is number one. The Natural? The Natural is number 11. The Rookie? The Rookie is number 4. Eight Men Out? Eight Men Out is not on the list. Terry picks up a point. Can you keep going? For the Love of the Game? 
The love of game is number 16. Major League 2? Major League 2 is number 19. Mr. 3000? Mr. 3000 is number 20. Um, the Sandlot? Sandlot is number 18. Rookie of the Year? Rookie of the Year is number 7. Terry is building a lead. <laughs> Little Big League? Little Big League is not on the list. Oh! So I believe that was... I have 5 points? So 7 points. 7 to 3. Okay, what were the other ones on the list? Okay, number 2 was 42. Oh. oh. Number six is the bench warmers. <laughs> uh, number nine, uh, the 1990s version of Angels in the Outfield. Oh. Then you had Fever Pitch, Hardball, Million Dollar Arm, Trouble with the Curve, and uh, the remake of Bad News Bears. Damn it. I, I tapped myself out in, in, my, in my... That was impressive, though. You, I started throwing ones out there I didn't think were going to be on there, and they ended up there. <laughs> Alright, and uh, Adam's chance to catch up. We have, uh, I, I just watched a documentary on HBO today about Robin Williams called Come Inside My Mind, and uh, it is also his birthday today, and so we are doing the top 20 Robin Williams movies other than his voice work. So you cannot count Robots, Happy Feet, or his voice cameo in AI. Okay. And, uh was not an easy list even when i was looking at it i was like this is gonna be difficult so uh you, you missed one of his voice works by the way what uh aladdin oh aladdin well, i had that written down i i guess i didn't say it what is okay. what's the category again robin williams movies that are not voice work and what's top 20 or what top 20 Alright, we are going to start with Adam on this one. Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting is number four. Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire is number two. The Birdcage. The Birdcage is number six. Night at the Museum. Night at the Museum is number one. Uh, Night at the Museum two. Battle of the Smithsonian is number three. Night at the Museum 3. That is number 10. Secret of the Tomb is what it's called, apparently. Uh, Patch Adams. Patch Adams is number 5. You have now gotten the top 6. Good Morning, Vietnam. You have now gotten the top 7. Insomnia. Insomnia is number 16. Dead Poets Society. That is number 12. What dreams will come? What dreams may come? That's it. Is number nineteen? I'll give it to you. Um, one hour photo. That is not correct. Oh. Although that is a a decent portion of the documentary that I watched. Adam, can you keep going? All right. Well, let's see. Hopefully, I can make up some ground. Bicentennial Man. Bicentennial Man is number 18. Awakenings. 
Wake Needs is number 20. All right, we just had some technical difficulties and uh, our recording did not pick up the end of our Robin Williams competition. So we're going to kind of run through what happened uh, right after uh, right after our cut. So uh, okay. uh, Adam's got uh, Adam got correctly what dreams may come sort of and then Terry incorrectly guessed one hour photo. So he was out, Adam picked up a point, and then Adam additionally got Bicentennial Man and Awakenings, getting him two more points, but then incorrectly guessed Father's Day. And so Terry wins the round seven to six. Whew! That was close. And uh, the other movies that, that could have been set on the list were Hook, ah. Lee Daniels, oh. The Butler... Okay. <laughs> uh, Jumanji. Oh my goodness. Oh. Flubber, RV, Nine Months, and the Francis Ford Coppola directed Jack. Aww. Oh yeah. Never heard of Nine Months though. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. But the Father's Day Billy Crystal Rob Williams movie did not make. Come on. No. <laughs> Apparently. The tricky part about a list like that is you have to take into account that movies from like the 80s didn't make as much money simply because movie tickets weren't as expensive. So that that's kind of the tricky part about going back that far. This is true. Happy Feet and Happy Feet 2 would have both been on the list, along with Robots and Aladdin. But you disqualified them. Yeah, because that's kind of cheating. Because all animated yeah. movies make money. Okay, well, I win, so that means I get to pick a punishment, and uh, and I get to host the uh, the trivia game next time. Um, so the movie that I'm gonna pick, uh, can I pick it so that all three of you have to watch it? Because it's a movie that I've seen that none of you have seen, and I really want you guys to watch it because I actually like the movie and like no one else I know has seen it and I want them I want someone to talk to about it. Go for it. Okay, so the movie that you guys are going to be watching, and Zach, uh, when you listen to this, you have to watch this too, is the 2016 Netflix film The Fundamentals of Caring. Oh, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we can so do that. that. That is your that is your punishment for watching it. And again, I like the movie, um, maybe more than I should, but I want someone else to talk to about it. So you guys are gonna watch it. I think you're the only person I know that's seen it. So it's a good movie. It's a good movie, and it's it's worth a watch. So fundamentals of caring. We'll talk about that on the next podcast. Okay, let's uh, let's wrap up with our quotes of the day strawberries not the cheese womack you bastard quote of the day and todd i think i'm gonna go to you first on this one all right i went with a denzel movie uh was not on my top five supposedly controversially it's training day he says it's he has a lot of great quotes in that movie but this one is uh 
To protect the sheep, you gotta catch the wolf. And it takes a wolf to catch a wolf. Obviously he says it with a lot more passion. I'm not gonna try to Im impersonate him. That's probably smart. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I think I'll go next. Uh, my, uh, my quote comes from my number five Denzel Washington performance, and that is Remember the Titans. I am a math teacher, and I quote this quote a lot, probably more than I should, in my math class. It's after his running back has had a, had trouble fumbling, and so he pulls Petey aside, played by Donald Faison, and says, Petey, how many feet are in a mile? How many feet are in a mile? 5,280 feet. You pick up that ball, and you run every one of them. You're killing me, Petey! Good one. Quote it. And very educational. At too. least once yeah, a year go. in my math class. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, Adam, what's your quote? What's funny is I was about to pick a Remember the Titans quote as well, but I'll switch it up and go with my number five, Inside Man, and it simply is, you don't bullshit huh. a bullshit. Huh. Yeah. Well put. Well put. One of my favorite all-time quotes is, like, the opening monologue of that movie. Oh, yeah. It's so good. So good. All right. Well, that is our podcast. Adam, thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem. Thank you for uh, having me, and sorry for ruining the audio. Ah, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, hopefully we can uh, we can have you on again sometime. Uh, we will be back in a couple weeks with another podcast. We'll be... Uh, We'll be talking about the fundamentals of caring. We know that. And uh, for everything else, you'll have to find out then. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Almost Sideways podcast. We will catch you later. Go Mariners! Let's go, go Mariners! Mariners. Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.